Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Dom's Big Spider. So to kick this one off, last week we spoke a bit at the end of the podcast about the fact that I've had this website that I've been paying for for, I think it's over a year now, sadly, on Podium. I was approached a while back. They're like, we have, we're creating websites for podcasts so people can comment. Now, at the time, they did not have the comment feature, but it was free. They were asking people, that basically, they built a website that's like, check it out. If you like it, you know, please feel free to promote it. And this happens a lot. I will tell you now, I'm getting hammered with new podcast companies, new podcast potential hosting companies contacting me, trying, they all try to get your podcasts in there. But this one did have the comments, the upvoting, which I was excited about. Eventually, they didn't have the comments and the upvoting, but they were starting to go live with it, and they were starting to sell subscriptions to it, because again, they're not going to do all this for free out of the goodness of their own heart, and I don't blame them. So there was a subscription fee. I signed up for the subscription fee, and waited and waited, and finally the comment section came, but by that point, it was like I was in the middle of school, it was like October, and I just didn't feel like messing with it or working with it yet. So long story short, I went a long time, almost, I guess it's almost a year, because I think it was October when they finally kicked in with the comments and upvoting and I waited 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 finally announced hey guys join me over here I'm ready to roll we have a place to upvote we have a place to comment and what ends up happening the comments don't work I was so up I spent Monday so upset because it's like all right I actually one of the reasons I wanted to wait is I figured they would be working out the glitches that were in the system so I wouldn't have a situation like this but immediately, my buddy Adam goes on, posts a comment. I, I'm like, oh, sweet. First comment, all excited. I go on line. It's like, you want to respond to this comment? Yes, I want to respond to this comment. And I hit respond, and it brings me to a page that says the page is broke. I'm like, this isn't good. And then I go to my back end of the website where you're supposed to be able to see all your you know, listener interactions, and there's nothing there. So luckily, I commented. The guy that started the site is, actually answers all my emails immediately. Anytime I've had a question, gets right back to me. And I send him an email on a – I think it was – it might have been Sunday night, actually, this happened, now that I think of it, and he got right back to me, like, 8 o'clock Sunday night, I'm on it, and it was fixed, luckily. So now we have the comment section working. I am again, and I get, and I was talking about this with Billy when we were taking our walk the other day, that I understand that it's a lot easier for people that are spend a lot of time on Facebook. Like, Billy's on Facebook all the time. I'm not. I'm not on Facebook at all. I know people get upset with me because they message me over there. I'm not reading them. I can't do it. I have to be able to choose when and where I respond to things. And the problem with the Facebook messages I've had before is I sit down, I go to answer one simple message and it just keeps going and I can't get all, I have to be able to answer and walk away and have some Tom time, you know? So, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of Facebook to begin with. So this I'm hoping will swell. We'll get more people here. I know everybody's got their own place to listen to it. So I'm not telling people to come over. You don't have to go subscribe. You don't have to sign up for anything, but I would eventually like this to take over for folks because I also know that although a lot of people are used to getting this on Facebook and I will continue to post them on Facebook when I remember we all know I forget sometimes they'll be up on Facebook I will continue with that because I don't want to make it more difficult for the people that have supported me over on Facebook for this long so we'll keep it going but I do hope more people come over and start commenting I will be trying to pull from these comments when I do kind of my reviews of last week's episode and respond to them so just a heads up I am going to go and we're going to see you know between now and the new year how many people we can get over there if we can get something going because that has been the one thing I've missed about 
the podcast. Not the biggest fan of YouTube. I've been pretty clear about that. I, I make the videos over there, but I have my issues with YouTube. But the one thing I do like about it is you post a video up and you're going to get comments and you're going to get discussions and you're going to get dialogues. So I do miss that component with the podcast and would love to have something where there's a home base. I drop the podcast. People can come on. They can upvote. They can comment. We can have a little dialogue about it. So I will uh, ask folks again, feel free to join us over there. If you don't, I get it. Believe me, it's not like I'm sitting here going, oh, I see you. You didn't do that. No, I, I totally get it. But for folks that do find it, you know, something they can bookmark the site and pop over when there's a podcast and leave their two cents, that would be greatly appreciated. So as far as comments are concerned, we did get a couple comments, and I want to kind of encourage people to continue commenting. So we're going to go through a couple of those before we get into our main topics. The first one was from Adam. Hi, Tom. This is a discussion I've had with a lot of new keepers who almost always want to avoid rehousing duties. Just for the record, Adam's got a heck of a, an Instagram presence. And whenever you put up stuff with spiders, People are going to ask you questions. A lot of people, when we start talking about, you know, when should you be ready to respond to these, it's as soon as you go public with your collection because people are going to be asking you questions. So Adam also has a YouTube channel. So he's been doing this for a while too. So just to explain, like yourself, I'm very much someone who enjoys rehousings as it's often the only chance I get to see some of my spiders. And I very much enjoy the process of planning the rehouse and executing it calmly and safely. When I first started, I stumbled into using enclosures that were edging towards too big. Luckily, the more information I found, the more I refined my enclosure size, and I seem to have much happier animals since doing so. And Adam, I have to agree completely, and I think one of the things a lot of us find is part of it is when you first get into the hobby, you don't have anything for them. You, do, you don't have enclosures sitting around. I think I mentioned during the last podcast, I have probably... If dozens, if not hundreds of extra enclosures sitting in my garage at any given time. And I think once you get more established, not only do you get a better feel for what an appropriate size is, so you can look at not only a spider, but a certain species of spider and go, I'm going to need something this large, around this large. You start to get a better feel for it and you have the materials. You have the resources to go, all right, I need something the size of a medium critter keeper. You go in your garage, you either have a medium critter keeper or a sterilite container, something that fits the spider more appropriately. And it's funny because I had somebody also chime in on, I just recently posted up a video on YouTube featuring my Theraphosa Apothesis, in which, amazingly enough, we had, we had gone and seen Rammstein on Friday night, which was amazing. I've been waiting to see that band. I've been listening to them since the 90s. Amazing concert. But anyway, we got back late. The dogs woke us up early. I was a little tired when I was editing my videos. I was doing a baboon video. At the same time, I was doing the Theraphosa video, and I mistakenly in the video called it, I caught myself in the first, when we actually did the rehousing, I called it, what was it, the pink foot baboon, no idea where the heck that came from, I think because everything's blue leg baboon, whatever, it was just stuck in my head, and I caught myself, made fun of myself, but then when I was editing, I'm like, man, I can't believe I almost said that, and it got stuck in my head, so then I go to do the intro for it, and I, a lot of times, shoot several intros at the same time, so I was doing the baboon, the blue foot baboon that I was doing, and then I go to the in do the intro for this one, and I once again call it the Pink Foot Baboon. So uh, people got a big laugh over there. That was good times. But anyway, someone chimed in on that video and said that they had put their smaller specimens in much larger because I was moving basically a young adult into the large sterilite, like 15 and a half by 11 and a half or so, and about six and a half inches deep. And I use these for a lot of the larger terrestrials. And they said that they had put their apophysis into those but it was small it was like three inch apophysis and they said they seemed lost they were kind of timid they weren't eating well so they put them in smaller enclosures they burrowed they've been doing much better so there was one of those things that kind of reinforced that again not, you can give them more room but a lot of times they won't use it and I think a lot of folks that do this the majority of folks that ask me the question 
can I put them in their adult enclosure right away? Or can I take the smaller spider and put it in something huge? Are afraid of the rehousings. And I think, again, it comes down to you have to learn how to do those rehousings. That's an integral part of the hobby. Housings, rehousings, you need to get comfortable doing that. The only way to really do it is practice. You can watch all the videos you want of it. It's the actual practicing it that gives you that experience that you're going to need. So, Adam goes on to say, I forgot to give you a couple anomaly slow growers the other week too. My Rupees Simaroxagorum is probably around two inches and I've had her fingers crossed for 18 months. And my Hapiloclastis Demanthia is only about two and a half inches after close to two years in my care. So yeah, those are two that I actually, <laughs> they grew very quickly for me. So I love when we do the like slowest growing species, fastest growing species, because there's always those anomalies. And I always find it intriguing when I hear from people that have one that I thought grew really quickly and theirs grew slowly or vice versa. It just always makes me wonder what's going on there as far as biology. And sometimes you get temperatures and I've had ones that theirs are growing slowly and I ask the temperatures and their temperatures are higher than mine. So excellent, Adam. Thanks so much for chiming in. Lilibeth, great episode. My slowest growing tea has been my tea. Verdesi, it's molted a few times, but I swear it's never changed size. It's one inch after just over two years. Uh, There are those species of tarantulas, and it always cracks me up, that no matter how many times they molt, they never seem to grow. Those are the ones that really get to me because I think we can... We can deal with them taking a while in between molts. I I can deal with it at least. Like, all right, you're going to take a year to molt. That's fine. But when they finally molt and I look down in there and it looks exactly the same, that starts to get to me only because you want to see that progress. You want to see this thing marching on to the juvenile stage, to adulthood, and you don't seem to get it with those species. So, little bit. Thanks so much for joining in using the comment section. And next one, we have William West. Glad to have an easier way to comment on the podcast as I'm not on Facebook much anymore. I'm not either, buddy. Thanks for all you do for the hobby. I appreciate William and I thank you for jo- joining up over here. Again, we want to get as many people over here as possible. Let's give this a good try. I am going to be checking it constantly. I've been being a good boy and checking it on my cell phone from work. I will not answer during work hours. I'm not one of those people, but I do like to keep track of, I get the email notifications. So I've been watching it. So I will be adding it to the email and Facebook comments is things that I keep track of because again, we want to encourage this. So for today's topic, we are going to have our all-male review. I, I'll admit, when I came up, I have struggled with coming up for topics for these, and this one just popped in my head and made me giggle, so I'm going with it. What the heck? Maybe we'll, I never do clickbait titles, but who knows? Maybe somebody will be searching around podcasts and go, what's this Tom's Big Spider thing? Oh, male strippers? They're going to be interviewing male strippers, and we'll, we'll get some new people into the hobby. We need some fresh blood. But anyway, this one comes to me. A lot of the stuff, uh, the topics I get come from comments. It's uh, the best part about having the comment section of YouTube and emails and such is that people will come to me and they'll ask a question. And again, if it's one I think everybody can benefit from, we're going to turn it into a podcast. It's easier to answer it that way and much more thoroughly than if I just responded via email. So this one's from D. Witcher. I hope I said that correctly. Hey, Tom, great video. I'm not sure if this could be a future podcast topic. Surprise, it is. But I would be curious to hear your thoughts about how to best find a good home for my mature males. Many of the specimens in my collection will be maturing in the near future. If possible, I would love for them to fulfill their duty and to go on to breed. However, I worry about potentially sending males to a keeper that might not give them a good standard of care. If you met a keeper online that would take them for breeding, is it rude to ask for pictures of their enclosures or setups? How have you navigated this in the past? 
So I'm going to warn people right away, this kind of, as I started taking notes for this topic, I started thinking about how I was going to lead into it. And I realized there's a lot more of this topic here that I would like to cover and reinforce. And I know some of these, I have talked about males in the past, but I think some of it bears repeating because we get new people coming in, finding the podcast all the time. And we have our new comment system over here on Podium so other people can come on and agree and disagree with me and we can get a dialogue going. But let's, before we start, let's talk a bit about males because I have kept many, many, many animals, or not kept, but we grew up on a farm. We'd go sheep, chickens, rabbits, cows, you name it. We had all kinds of stuff. It was like a hobby farm, but my dad treated it like it was a real farm. And anyway, we, it wasn't until I got to the tree and I kept snakes. I kept snakes. I have had ferrets. We've had hamsters. We had a pet rat. Never did it really matter what sex the animal was. I mean, with a lot of these guys, you get them like if you buy a dog, you know what the sex of the dog is. It's it's fairly obvious for anybody that's had dogs before. And it's just, you don't care. You have dogs. I mean, with our house, we have kind of a pack of four of them. So we're careful to keep the energy going. You don't want too many females because the females can be a little territory. We have more issues with females, we'll say, than our males as far as, you know, issues getting along. So you might look for go, all right, my old male passed away. I want another male or something like that, but it's really not a big of a deal. In the tarantula world or the tarantula hobby, it's a lot different. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of pose a little analogy here and I'm going to go out and call myself out right off the bat and say this is apples and oranges, but for some people it's not. They do feel this way and we want to open our minds a little bit, consider other perspectives imagine you get a puppy and for some reason you can't tell what sex a dog is until it reaches maturity. So you have this puppy, you love this puppy, you adore the puppy. All of a sudden the puppy gets to be, it's adult size. It's, I don't know, it's a medium sized puppy. So it's 40 pounds and you look down and the puppy's a male. And suddenly you're basically faced with two situations. Number one, You can keep this puppy knowing that the puppy is probably going to slowly stop eating. It's going to basically run around your house, looking out all the windows, looking for a female to mate with. It's not puppy anymore, obviously, but we're calling it the puppy. It's looking for a female to mate with. And within the year, it's likely your puppy will die. Or you can send the puppy off and know that whoever gets this puppy is going to be pairing it with the female. So you got the male now, your male... You've got the female, and oftentimes there are situations where the females will attack and kill the males during mating. Now, that's a difficult thing to consider. I love dogs, and the thought of taking any of my dogs and sending them off and having that potentially happen to them is just, I couldn't even imagine. It's heartbreaking. And again, I understand, and I get 100%, tarantulas are not dogs. Believe me, I get it. I've had this discussion with people before. I've had people get mad at me because they try to compare the tarantulas to dogs. My dogs are my babies. They're like my kids. Tarantulas, I adore them. I care for them. I love them. I get upset when they're sick, but it's just not the same. But for some people, it is. I've met many people in the hobby that don't have the furry animals, that don't have cats, dogs, hamsters, the furry ones. These are their animals. And again, these are the ones that a lot of times want to handle them. They're the ones that want to give them human characteristics. But whatever the situation may be, You raise these animals up, you care for them, you spend sometimes years getting them to this point, you feel attached to it, and then suddenly you have a situation where it matures and it's like, oh no, not only do I not have a lot of time with it left, but now I have to consider whether or not I want to send this one off to breed. 
And it's a tough decision for many people because they're attached to these animals and they know there's, well, A, they're never going to see it again. And B, there's a good chance it's going to die. So I do, it drives me nuts sometimes when people, and I know they mean well, and I know I've constantly said that we need to do more breeding in the hobby. I get it. But it drives me nuts when someone posts a comment, something along the lines like, yes, my mature male, I absolutely love him. He's going on a year and a half now. And somebody else chimes in afterwards, why aren't you sending out the breed, him out the breed? That's irresponsible. That's That male is being wasted and whatnot. To them, it's not being wasted. It's a pet that they have raised. I've talked to kids. In many instances, it's younger folks that have raised them up. You know, I've had this tarantula since I was in the sixth grade. I'm now a freshman in high school and it molted out male. Is it okay that I keep it? Yes, it's okay that you keep it. Let's get that out of the way. I do think there are situations where it can, there are exceptions to that where I kind of cringe. And that's when people go out and they buy the newest, most expensive spiders that there's not a lot of them out there that we desperately need breeders to get a hold of that first batch. So they can breed them and make more and they buy them and it turns out to be a male and they keep it. That's one that kind of sometimes I can get why people get frustrated because it's like, all right, I know you love this male. I know you spent a lot of money on it. How about trying to make some of your money back, getting it to somebody that will breed it and they can get you some more slings and maybe you can get a female this time. So I see both sides of this. That's the one spot where sometimes I cringe where people come on. Yeah, I spent $500 for this one and now I'm keeping it. Why can't Let's get that one out there so we can make them less than $500 for the next round. But we shouldn't be shaming people that keep their spiders. And what Dee has mentioned here is also another very valid question, valid point. How do we tell that who we are sending our tarantulas to are going to take good care of them? I've seen people, people have sent me pictures where they're about to breed and they go, yeah, I put the male's enclosure next to the female's enclosure and the female's got a nice enclosure and the male is basically in this tiny little deli cup with some substrate and that's what they're keeping them in. That's kind of sad. Like I know they're using their energy, they're moving around. A lot of times they take the top, it's just easier to take the top off that deli cup, drop the spider in the enclosure, have them made for there. But you want to know that whatever spider you're going to send off, that you spent some, you know, months, in some cases, years of your life raising, agonizing over during those pre-molt periods. A lot of people, it's their first spider ever. You want to know it's going to be taken care of, at least live a good life wherever it's going. And I don't think that is an unfair expectation. Now, the problem is, and I think this is where going back to my original lead into this, we have this weird, rare situation, something I haven't encountered before, at least maybe it's in the fish hobby or whatever. I don't know. I, I just know the hobbies that I've been in, the animal I've, I've taken care of where the males are almost considered disposable, where people get, you hear all the time, I'm I'm not, I don't think they're disposable, but I get that feeling of disappointment. I have a K-Brunapes that I've been raising up, so excited, been wanted one of these spiders for a long, long time, finally got one, I go up here last night, I'm like, oh, it finally came out, it was in pre-molt, and it had been in pre-molt for a while, and it buried itself for a while, and what do I see? A little mature male. And I'm disappointed. I wanted a female. And I think that's one of the weird parts about this hobby is we do have a situation where the males can It's disappointing sometimes. I know some people get upset about this. and like, we got to give males love too. We still love our males. We love our males so much we wish they would live longer. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast. But I do think that because of that, the fact that we're disappointed... 
it means they carry less value. There's more value, literally more value to a female. If you look at the prices of mature females compared to mature males, the females are much more valuable. But I think more value in just how we treat them. So I do think there's an issue out there of people not giving them the correct care or the respect they deserve. I think part of this, one of the things I've mentioned many times before is how folks on YouTube deal with them. When you watch the breeding videos on YouTube, and I've, I, I like mentioning it because it's a huge pet peeve of mine and it's never going going anywhere. But it drives me nuts because you'll be watching YouTube and it'll be a keeper who's got his male and his female. And you can see obvious signs that the female is probably going to come in pretty aggressive. And the YouTuber is too busy fiddling with his or her camera to get a good shot. And then the male gets eaten and they go, oh, oh no. Oh God. Well, that was totally unpreventable because that happens in the wild and that happens all the time. That's just natural. No, it's not natural because we're keeping these guys in captivity in little boxes. They're often mated in ways that put the males at a distinct disadvantage for being able to bolt or get out of the way. When you drop them in an enclosed area, the male can't run. If anybody's done any pairing, you can watch the males. They are almost always on that back leg. They know they have been programmed to recognize that there is a threat of death and they are not crashing into the female's embrace and just allowing themselves to be enfolded and fanged by her. No way. They're trying to get away. And if you think about it in the wild, they have a much better shot at getting away because there's no obstacles. They meet the female. They go and they tease her out of her burrow. They do their thing. They get the insertion and they get they try to get the heck out of there. Now, do the females eat the males? Yes, absolutely. Is that natural part of the tarantula copulation? Yes, certainly. But it doesn't always happen. Are there benefits of it? There's been evidence to show that they get bigger sacks, whatnot. But there's also situations where the males go on and breed many, many times. I told you before that when I bred my C versicolor, the male had paired before that. I get the male. He pairs with mine. You get a sack there. I believe he went on the pair two more times. That's a lot more babies than you would have gotten from one female. And in the wild, there are situations where the males, there's fewer males to go around, a lot more females. The males need to go further. And in those instances, a lot of times the males get away so they can go and pair again. So if you're sitting there trying, if they're out in an open room and the male tries to get away, the female gets it. Yeah, it's natural. If you got them in a box that they can't escape from, you're sitting there with a camera trying to get good footage for your channel so you can get some more views and the male gets eaten and you just do the, oh, I hate that because it also sends the message to people who are watching that video that that is how it goes. That is natural. And I can't tell you how many people will comment that, oh yeah, the males get eaten. That just happens. Not necessarily the case. I find it always behooves me and behooves any type of breeding projects. If you can keep those males alive, sure. For the first, for the person that's trying to pair them, and I've always thought of it this way too, for the person that's trying to pair the male to the female, that person generally wants a nice big sack. Maybe they're giving half of it to the person who they got the mail from. They're taking the other half. They're going to sell it. They're going to get money from it. So they want as many of those slings as they can. It isn't just so they can go, hey, I had a huge sack. It means more money. So I'm sure they don't necessarily care if that animal goes off, that male goes off, and I've heard this before, and breeds with other females around the same time period. Now there's competition. Now the market's going to have a bunch of babies in it. And that means probably a lower price because more people are shopping them around. I remember when when I bred my Hapalopus species Columbia Larges, I was having a hard time getting them to different people because they were everywhere. A lot of people were breeding them. For me, it didn't, I just wanted to get them out there. I wanted the breeding opportunity, but I get for some people, that's money. So 
the fact that we sit there and that we show them in that way, that we have the YouTube people that a lot of people idolize and think are doing everything, but they just like them. So obviously they're correct and doing everything correctly. People see that and they get that idea that they're disposable, which I don't believe that they are. That does make it difficult for some folks that don't see them as disposable, that want to see their mail maybe go off and pair a couple times. It makes it difficult for them to find people that are going to value that male in that way. And let's call it as it is. If you're raising, if you've raised a male from, let's go, G. Polkra. You picked up this G. Polkra. You couldn't wait to have one. You've died to have a, a female and you get a male and you're, you've raised this in probably six to sometimes 10 years. I think mine was matured out at like eight years old. They live a long time. You've spent a long time with that animal you're going to care more about that animal than the person who is either buying it or using it for a loan who wants to just get babies out of it. It's just natural. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing or that's an indictment of that individual. But I know when somebody sends me a mail, I, I want the mail to live. I don't like taking mail. So I like buying them because I'm afraid if something happens to them, I feel badly that the person's out of the mail and out of any chance of getting babies out of it. If I've got a male, I'm treating it just like I would treat one of my own spiders. It gets the regular adult size enclosure. It gets the water dish. It gets a hide, even though I might use it. It's treated well. It's fed well. I take care of those males because I know what that feels like. But do I have the same affection toward that male as the person that raised it? No. And I've had people before say, like I remember Mr. Spookley, which was my Hapalopus species Columbia large male that was sent to me from a friend of mine. And she was telling me how she raised it up and she'd only had it, it, Mr. Spookley matured out very, very quickly. But I remember that was in the back of my mind when she sent it to me, like, man, Mr. Spookley might not make it. And Mr. Spooky didn't make it. And I felt terrible about it. And I emailed her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I, I tried to split him up. I couldn't do it. And I think that's what we just, I just asked people to try, but I do think that makes it difficult. Back to that original question. I told you this one was going to wander a bit until we got to it. For people to find folks that are going to treat them the same way, treat them with that respect. My big thing is before we get to the care part, yes, should you be trying to find people that are going to take care of them? Absolutely. I would not want to send a mail that I raised to somebody who was taking crappy care of their spiders. I think the good news is, as far as asking, can I see some pictures of the collection? I don't think that's necessarily a bad or unreasonable request. I mean, you could kind of you could also take go and stalk them on Facebook. They have Instagram accounts, YouTube. You can check social media. A lot of people will post videos of what they have or pictures of what they have. And that would be an easy way to do it without possibly making waves. But saying, hey, could you send me some pictures of your collection? I'm kind of curious or, you know... I don't see a problem with that. Are there going to be people that are probably like, never mind? Yes, I'm sure there will be because that's not the norm. I think most people are just like, hey, I need a mail. Okay, here's my mail. What's your address? And then they work out the details of the loan or buying it, whatever. And then they go on their merry way. I think some people might bristle at, well, what do you mean you need pictures of my collection? But I don't think it's an unreasonable request. You could even say, hey, can you send me some pics of the female? I'm curious. Can I see your female? I really want a female. Can I see your female? And sometimes you'll get pictures of the enclosure that way and you can kind of get an idea. But if you just flat out say, hey, I, I'm interested in pursuing a trade with you. I have this mail. Could you send me some pictures of your collection? I don't think that's a an unreasonable request at all. If somebody did to me, I'd completely understand, immediately understand. I mean, they can hop on and see how I take care of them, but pretend like I didn't have all this stuff online. I didn't have the YouTube channel. I, I wouldn't be feel bad about that at all. I'd have no problem showing them the female, the enclosure, a little tour of the room. Here's what I do. And just setting their mind at ease. So no, I don't think it would be rude. 
I think it would be completely reasonable. But are there people out there that would bristle? Yes, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't need it, whatever. And then maybe you just move on. Maybe that answers your question. But finding, the one thing is nowadays, it's a lot easier to find people to send your mails to because there are so many tarantula groups out there. If you're somebody who is looking to potentially breed in the future, or you're looking to send out your males when they mature, I would join as many Facebook tarantula groups as possible, if not only to see what people have. That's where you can find people easily. Because, hey, I just had a mature male. Who's got one? You're going to get a bunch of people. And then you can kind of shop and pick the one that you know you feel like gives the best standard of care, because you're probably going to have a lot of information through that forum, through their posts and whatnot to determine whether or not there's somebody you want to send your spider to. Arachnoboards is another place you can go to when you're trying to find males and females you can advertise. The other thing with Facebook is I'm not sure. I think as long as there's not money involved, you can just mention you have a male and contact you. I know there's all these new restrictions on what you can post as far as animals are concerned and selling animals on Facebook. But you can definitely post on a group and say, I have a male who needs a male. And you're going to get a lot of people that way. So Facebook groups, definitely uh, an awesome place to find folks. Another awesome place, arachnoboards. And another thing you can do is always contact some of the vendors and dealers. A lot of them are always looking for mature males. I know I've been on sites where dealers are posted, hey, we're, we're breeding. We need males. What do you got? Sometimes they put out lists of what they need. Sometimes you can just shoot a couple inquiries out. Hey, I know you guys send a sell and breed tarantulas. I currently have a mature male. I'm looking for somebody who wants to take them. Usually the dealers do a nice job of taking care of them. You know their business is built around producing these spiders. They want to make sure they get a sack out of it. So they're going to take care of your male, hopefully during the breeding. And a lot of them will have multiple females. So it, again, it behooves them to make sure that that male survives so they can pair it with something else. So contacting breeders and known breeders and vendors would be another way to make sure that your male not only goes to a good home, but is used properly. Because there is something we don't like to talk about and the fact that breeding isn't as easy as, I, I think some people are really good at, don't get me wrong, but you want somebody that knows what they're doing. I've seen situations where somebody gets a mail, they go to do a video, they just basically take the mail out, they shoot the mail right into the female without any allowing them any type of chance to kind of approach each other. The female immediately latches onto the male, eats it, and the guy's like, oh, well, guess she wasn't ready to pair. No, you want to make sure that your spider, especially if it's a beloved spider, a pet, is going to somebody that, you know, you feel like is at least going to approach this seriously and in an informed way, meaning that if they haven't done it before, I, I encourage everybody to breed. So I know there's gonna be a lot of people out there who've never paired before. And I'm not saying not to trust people that haven't paired before, but you want somebody who's done some reading up and, and has an idea of where they're going with it. I've been approached many times. I'll post something up that I have males or I just get people that contact me, go, hey, I know you must get a lot of males. I'm currently starting a breeding business. I got my first spider three months ago and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to hold on to these or no, I don't have anything I'm selling right now because I recognize that there are a lot of folks out there again that think that they're just going to go buy a bunch. They have females. They're going to buy a bunch of males. They're just going to drop them in. They're, everything's going to go well. They're going to have a bunch of babies and it doesn't always work out that way. So I would be, you know, I don't know if there's any tactful way to go, hey, do you know what the heck you're doing? 
But I do think it wouldn't hurt to have a little dialogue. Oh, have you done any breeding before? What have you bred? Or is this your first one? Yeah. What have you read about the breeding process? Because I've been reading some on it. Because that's another way. If you can come back with your own knowledge. Hey, I have my G poker. I've actually read about breeding G poker. What have you read about? Let's compare notes. It's kind of a nice little way to find out. Do they have really any direction in this? Or do they think they're just going to take that male, take it immediately out of the shipping box, which I've seen, drop it in with a female and expect magic to happen. So I think there is uh, the problem. The problem with breeding is there is a lot of inherent risk when you send out a male. We all know the biggest, most obvious risk, as we've already mentioned, is the fact that the females will eat the males. That can happen. Again, that part of it is natural in that it will happen in the wild. The male can't get out of the way in time. The female hasn't had a big meal yet. She eats the male. She gets that first big meal, a big, big meal. And that sometimes is enough to just right there, give her all the nutrients she needs to produce a nice big sack. And that's, in that case, it's sad that the male died, but it's also going to go to a good cause. However, that's not the only risk. As we've established, there are folks out there that just don't know how to care for these animals. I mean, it's, I think husbandry has come such a way and there's so much information out there and so much good information out there now that the majority of folks who spend any amount of time doing even a nominal bit of research will find the correct info they need. But that's not to say there aren't a lot of folks. I still encounter a lot of folks that will send me pictures of stuff that, yeah, I followed your videos or I've been following so-and-so and I've set up this enclosure. I think it looks great. And they send me the pictures of it. It's like, whoa, we got some work to do. So yeah, there are unfortunately going to be people out there that either don't have that level or standard of care that you're looking for, that keep things differently than maybe you do, that don't respect the males maybe in the way that you do. And that's also a risk. I think that's the sad part about the males is that when they mature, we are left with really just not many great alternatives for them. I mean, I shouldn't say not great. Obviously, sending a male off and having it produced and having you actually get slings back from that is amazing. That's an awesome experience. It's an awesome thing that happens. So we shouldn't say that. It's not all doom and gloom. But let's just call it as it is. And for those who don't know, I don't I don't think I mentioned this earlier. There may be people that are listening to this podcast that honestly don't know what the, the thing is about males, what a, a male's life looks like after maturity. Once males molt, they do not molt again. So they have the ultimate molt, they get their sex organs in, and then essentially what they do is the majority of them will wander around their enclosures very, very restlessly looking for a female to pair with. This is when you hear about the tarantula migrations out west in the on the west coast. This is the males coming out to wander around to try to find females to pair with. So if you keep your male, know that you are going to have an animal that probably seems completely unsettled. I get a lot of people, a lot of people, it's sad, honestly, that will go, hey, I bought... I have my female, I don't know, we'll go Acanthoscuria geniculata, and she's been, she molted recently, she's not eating, and she's very, very restless, she's trying to get out, and I'm like, uh-oh, can you send me pictures, and sure enough, it's a mature male, it happens all the time when people don't realize the difference between males and females, they're not sure why their spider that was before nice and calm seemed to like its enclosure is suddenly scrambling to get out of it, it's because it's looking for a lady, so know that if you do keep your spiders, their life afterwards, for many of them, is kind of sad because they wander around, some won't eat, some don't eat very much. I've had ones that'll eat every once in a while, but they're too busy trying to get out of that enclosure. And then basically they waste away and it usually takes, you know, spiders don't go quickly. It's not like they're one day they're there and then they uh, and then die. It's a long process of them losing control of their limbs. It, it's sad. It's sad to watch. So do know that if you keep it, it's not a very nice end. It's not a very pretty end. I've had people say, hey, I'd rather have a quick munch from a female 
and then have it go down that quickly, then waste away. I mean, I guess it's faster in the grand scheme of things. It's a bit violent. I've seen ones that don't necessarily go down as quickly as we'd like. I've seen videos of the females sitting there eating the male. The male's still kicking out its leg, trying to get away. Well, it's sad. Nobody wants to see that happen to their pet. But some would argue that's more natural than them just slowly wasting away. I don't know. Tough. Again, if it's, it comes down to the fact that as much as I agree 100% that spiders are not cuddly animals, they're not cuddly, they're not your typical pet. When you say pet, that people keep for emotional support, for companionship, for cuddles, for affection. They don't really fit that bill for most people. However, they still, for those of us that keep them, we still care about them. We still put a lot of time and energy into raising them. We become attached to them. I had the queen for years, for 26 years. And did I ever take her out and hug her and cuddle her? No. Did I have a lot of affection for her? Did it upset me when she died? Absolutely. So we can't discount that. So I'm the first person to argue that anthropomorphizing these animals is not necessarily a great thing a lot of times, but it's it's going to happen. We're going to have situations where we look at that animal in a way that maybe is not the most logical. And I think it's not unreasonable to have people that want to make sure that if they have a male and they're sending off that it is going to be taken care of. Personally speaking, I've sent mine off usually to breeders, people that I know know how to breed, a lot of vendors, because in my mind, they want to make sure this animal not only gets the job done, but that maybe gets the job done with, as I said earlier, with multiple females, so he has a bigger chance of being saved and passed around. I've heard one of my males got passed around like three different people. That's awesome because that's more chances for him to spread his genes, to do what he needs to do, more of those animals in the hobby. So although I haven't sent them to many individuals, like people that are just hobbyists that are doing it, I would have no problem going, hey, what is your experience? Or what have you heard about breeding this one? The same as before, kind of some nice little probing, polite questions to kind of get a grip on whether this person has any idea what they're doing or would be a good, somebody I think that would take care of my mail in a way that I would like to see it taken care of. So I don't think, D, I think it's an awesome question. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You may want to, if you know you have some mature mail, like if you've already sexed them out and know you got some mail, start setting stuff up now. Have these people ready for them. So make sure they have the females ready to go. At least you have some time. It's not like some of those cases, some of the males that mature very quickly, that's the worst because you're scrambling, trying to find somebody that will take them and and some of them don't last a long time. It's weird because I have my G Polker. I think I mentioned before, I have my G Polker male. It was a birthday gift from Billy. I raised this guy up from a little baby sling. So I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. And he matured and I toyed with sending him off. He's still in great shape. He's still eating, still looks great. He hasn't been, he actually just sits there like a pet rock. He hasn't been all climbing around trying to find a lady. So it's made me feel better about it. But I did keep him. Like I, I may still send him out. I'm toying with it. But I, I'm attached to him. Like it was, it was awesome. Like we went to this pet store in I can't remember what the heck the name was um, in Massachusetts. Billy brought me up for my birthday, and I got my first P. Metallica. I got this one. I got a mystery spider that ended up being I think that was the Voggins Albopolosis cross that I had, and just it was an awesome day. And and it's I have a lot of sentimental value for this spider, so I've chosen to keep it. And I had somebody once like, "What did you do? Did you send this one off?" No, and they kind of gave me a hard time. And I'm like, "Well, 
it's mine. So <laughs> you get both sides of this. I know I talk about breeding, and I mentioned this in the beginning of the podcast, but I do think it's not unreasonable for folks to want to make sure that if they're sending their mails off, that they're taken care of. And I implore people, don't treat them as disposable. I, I think that's one of the things that bothers me the most in the hobby is Yes, I concede that when you get a mail, the value seems to dip because it's not going to be with you as long, but it shouldn't be considered disposable. That's an animal you spent time raising. I, I think I shared once, I heard this horror story with somebody that was telling me that it got me so angry. They emailed, they were talking about mature males and he couldn't find home for his mature males and they started dying. So they dropped it in with, and I think I covered this before where people were saying they did this. And I, it wasn't until recently I'd actually heard somebody that did it. If he has a mature male and can't find a female, he drops a mature male and with a much larger female of another species and lets her eat it. And I was like, that's hideous. That's absolute, that's not natural. That's not, he doesn't even get to do what he needs to do. But this guy was like, well, I don't need it. It's taking up space. I can't get it anywhere. It's just going to die anyway. So this is the most humane thing to do. So you hear stuff like that. And it really makes you sad because you recognize the males don't get the respect they should. And I think as a hobby, especially those of us making videos and putting this stuff out there, we need to do a better job at showing that they, they need to be respected. It's not inevitable that they get munched. They're not... It shouldn't be looked at as, oh, I got a mail, crud, moving on. They're, they should get a little more love than they do. And I think the only ones that actually get the love sometimes, and it's funny, is like Pamphlobedia species or Formictibus species where the males are always a brilliant. I love when you see pictures of these ones out there and people put them up. Uh, adult Pamphlobedias, and it's super purple. And people are like, oh, I hope I get a female. Well, if you get your female, it's not going to look like that. But your male will, and that kind of makes it worthwhile. But besides those species, I can't think of too many where people are actually excited to get a male. I can remember, honestly... When I got my first Formictopus male, it was a Formictopus cancerides, and it was up there with the top three most beautiful spiders I've ever had. Just pink, purple, gorgeous, gorgeous. And it didn't matter what light you got in, that purple shone. And I was pretty excited about getting a male. That was the first time I was like, I was excited. But I'll admit it, I, just like my K. Brunipes over here, I'm, yep, I'm looking at you, buddy. A little disappointed, but I'll still, it, it's in a nice enclosure. I will probably put it in a bigger enclosure. I am going to see if anybody, if anybody needs a, a cabron on a piece mail, let me know because that one I would, wouldn't mind sending out. I, someday I'm going to get a female cabron on a piece. I ran into that species years ago when I was just starting to do my research. I think, was it still K. Brunipes? I just remember the name Brunipes, and it just made me smile saying it, and it was one of those spiders I wanted to get just because I liked pronouncing the name. But finally got one, and now it's a guy. So there's some disappointment, but now he's a cute little guy, and I'll get some pictures of it, probably put it on Instagram, maybe do a video, probably do a rehousing video with him and a husbandry video for folks to have that species. But it's funny, just showing, I, I realized this the other day, and I never really, I never really thought about it before. And just showing how I kind of shown some prejudices towards the males. I never do husbandry videos when I get a mature male. Meaning, I always love to do husbandry videos where I can show them growing from sling to juvenile to adulthood. So I can show people, look at, I can raise them up to adults. But if I get a mature male, I never bother making the husbandry video. There's never a final video. I think part of it is a lot of times the males mature out and I don't have to rehouse them again. And I don't just, usually I do my husbandry videos when I'm doing a rehouse. But I realize, like I've had people go, hey, have you kept this species? Yeah, I got a mature male, but I never did a husbandry video on it. So I'm going to stop doing that. I, that's something I've vowed that I'm not going to do that anymore. And I think part of it comes from the fact that if I'm being completely honest, I, I'm disappointed that I got the mail. There doesn't seem to be as much volume there. And I feel... 
I don't know, like it's not going to be as good as a video by showing off a mature male instead of maybe a young adult female or mature female. And that's something I got to get away from because I'm guilty then. If, I, if I'm sitting there saying I won't feature a male in one of my husbandry videos, I'm showing I don't value them as much. So definitely going to change that. So backing up on that K Brown piece, we'll definitely have to do a K Brown piece video and talk a little bit about the care and some of the observations I had with that. And moving ahead, if I get a species and I only get a male, I will continue to do husbandry videos just featuring the male. There, promise I made to you guys. So a little a little reflection on my part during this one. I'm guilty as anybody else with the male thing, but I do think we just need a better attitude overall towards them. So D, thank you so much for the awesome topic. Hopefully other folks got, can reflect on this. I, I'm sure, what do you guys, like what is your take on the males? I'd love to hear how do you guys, and be honest, let's be really honest. When you get a mail, how do you feel? What do you do with it? Do you often send them out? Have you kept ones? I want to hear from both sides. Who sends all their mails out? Who keeps some and sends some out? Who keeps all of theirs because they're attached to them and they want to raise them up? And again, if people comment on this, I don't want people bashing the people that hold onto their spiders. That's not what this is about. We covered that in the beginning of it. I don't think there should be any shame in that. It's what you purchased the spider. You spent money for it. You raised it. You gave it your time, your attention, in many cases, your love. You deserve to be able to keep it. It's. Uh, I will totally back that up. But I would love to hear from folks what they think about their males and have you had bad experiences sending yours off? I did, before I did this, I ran into a couple postings about, it. sadly it was a breeder that's, uh, I'm not going to mention the name on this one, but somebody that was uh, selling for a while that people had sent mails to and had, a, like, it didn't sound like the person knew what they were doing or just didn't treat the mails well and they were upset. And it, I think some of us have stories like that, unfortunately, where we send them off. I know the worst one I ever heard was this young lady that was trying to decide whether or not to send off. I, it was one of the, New World Beginner Species, that uh, real slow growing. It was her first and only tarantula. She named it. She had it. I think she got it when she was like in the eighth grade. She was going off to college. It matured. And she's like, what should I do with this? And I said, well, it's up. I did what I did here. I go, it's really up to you. Here's what life it's going to have if, if, if you keep it. It it was a species that was probably going to live two, two and a half, maybe three years as a male. So I said, you still got plenty of time with it. Or you could send it off the breed. So she decided to send it off to breed. She's like, after a lot of thought, I really want him to spread his genes. I think it's unfair for me to keep him and not allow him to do what he needs to do. So she looked for somebody. She found somebody to take it. I get an email from her going, the guy recorded the whole thing live. They were like online live when he did the pairing because she wanted to see it. And he had the camera set up. And basically, he let the male go out. The male touched the female's leg. The female leapt on the male and ate it. And the girl watched it live. She goes, I was absolutely gutted. I had raised this spider for seven years. I had had it for another six months. And I felt so bad for her. But then at the end, she's like, but I guess that's what he was supposed to do. So it's share your stories. What do you guys got? I mean, either on Facebook or again, we are on, on Podium. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep posting the link because I'm, again, I'd love to see more people over here and be able to put their comments directly under it. Plus, it's nice for people that kind of stumble on the podcast this way to kind of see those comments. But oh, and while I'm thinking that, to be clear, I am not, I think I made this clear earlier. This isn't one of these going on podium because they're sponsoring me or anything. I want to make that very clear. I'm paying them. It's This is something I want for me. This is, I want a way that I can respond to these and have these running, you know, you could, I love the way they set it up where you can click on the podcast. You can see the comments. They also have, when I 
refer people and mention that I have YouTube videos, you know, the newest YouTube videos out, there's a page here. You can see the, like, it's the last 20 videos I posted or something like that. So this is a me thing, not, Hey, this company just paid me money and they're sponsoring me. And, uh, therefore I'm going to drive you their way. Now, this is something I want to do. So just to be clear, cause I did have somebody ask, Oh, are you sponsored by him? No, I'm, this is a website company that I'm paying to have this service so that we can hopefully get it going. So that should about do it for this one. As I mentioned earlier, I did post up my Theraphosa apothesis, which would be the pink foot Goliath, not the pink foot baboon. Man, if only. Can you imagine if there was like a 10 to 12 inch baboon? I'd be all over that, but never going to live that one down. It's it's always very funny. I mean, I mess up all the time. Sometimes I get caught. Sometimes I don't. The other day I was, I was going back through like a video was three years old and there was a huge issue right in the title, a big typo and nobody ever called me on it. And I don't know why. I, I appreciate it when I screw up and somebody mentions it so that I can correct it. But yeah, I've had, it's, it's so embarrassing because I posted the video up and I get, you know, the, hey, nice video. And then I get somebody going, I didn't know that the Theraphosa species were from Africa. They're baboons. And I'm like, oh my God, that's awful. So I had to go back and try to put the note up there and explain that I was a doofus. But anyway, that video's up for those that have them. I am, I love my ap- ap- apophysis. They, one of them's pushing probably seven and a half inches now. I'm hoping it's going to molt soon. The next one should be a nice nine inches or so, which makes it one of the biggest spiders I have in my collection. Much more gangly and, and life than the Sturmy or Blondies. Just really digging this species. But mine are a little more high strung. My Blondies are actually fairly laid back overall. And my Sturmies were always, except for my big old mature male Sturmy, who was just constantly trying to find a lady. They were all fairly laid back too. So I've had a lot of luck with them. These guys seem to be a little, more skittish a little more fiery but we'll see what happens right now they're still technically just juveniles so we'll see what happens when they put on more size but anyway that video is up you can find me at thomasbigspiders.com guys this will do it for this episode as always stay safe we'll catch you all next time